Let us turn our attention to the Gospel of Mark, chapter 9, a story you probably remember. Uh, there was a boy that was suffering from epilepsy, and the boy's father had brought him to the disciples because, after all, these are the disciples of Jesus. They have all power and all authority to heal the sick, to cast out devils, even to raise the dead, but they couldn't do anything. And so the father finally brings the boy to Jesus and basically tells Jesus, I took my son to your, to your guys, but they couldn't do anything. And that's where we're going to pick up the story. In Mark 9, starting at verse 21, and we'll read down to verse 24. Jesus asked the boy's father, how long has he been like this? Now, do you think Jesus already knew that? You have to stop sometimes when you're reading the Word of God and ask yourself, why is this here? Why is this question even being asked? Jesus doesn't waste words. And many times God asks questions that he already knows the answers to, but he's trying to get something out of us. He's trying to make us aware of something. And for some reason, he just wanted this father to come out with, he's been like this from childhood. In other words, this has been a long-standing problem. It's been a heavy burden on our family. This isn't just a common cold or something that happened last week. We've been dealing with this for a long time. Okay, let's continue. It has often thrown him into the fire or water to kill him. But if you can do anything, take pity on us and help us. If you can, said Jesus, everything is possible for him who believes. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe, help me overcome my unbelief. Let's continue to see the end of the story. When Jesus saw that a crowd was running to the scene, he rebuked the evil spirit. You see, this was caused by an evil spirit. He rebuked the evil spirit. You deaf and mute spirit, he said, I command you, come out of him and never enter him again. The spirit shrieked, convulsed him violently, and came out. The boy looked so much like a corpse that many said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and lifted him to his feet, and he stood up. Now, a couple things I want to point out here. Um, whatever was going on with this child, you can, you can sense in the father's words, this had been a big burden in the family. And for those of us here who are parents and we have children, I think we know how concerned we are when we see something that is trying to destroy our child's life. This thing was destroying this boy. It wanted to throw him into the fire. It wanted to drown him in the water. And as parents, we may not have an epileptic child, but we can have all kinds of other things that are trying to attack our children and even bring them into self-destructive behaviors. Hello? Yes. There are plenty of them going around today, aren't there? Yes. 
And as a parent, we want to intervene, we want to help, we want to rescue them, but sometimes we feel helpless. This father felt helpless. He couldn't do anything. Maybe he didn't understand the demonology and the theology of it all, but he does eventually see that this was a spiritual thing. This was a spirit that was attacking this child, a dark, evil spirit. And how many of you understand Satan comes to bless, to give joy and peace? Know what the Bible says? He comes to kill, steal, and destroy. And his evil spirits do his dirty work. They kill, they steal, and they destroy. And they're trying to bring especially this young generation into self-destructive kinds of beliefs and behaviors. It's amazing. How many times, just in the, in the last few weeks, have I heard about young people either committing suicide or attempting suicide? What's causing that? It may not always be a demonic possession, but there are spirits. I'm convinced there is a spirit of suicide that comes and tries to cause these young people, throw yourself into the fire, cut your wrists, take an overdose, kill yourself, and you'll feel better. It's not natural for a young boy to throw himself into the fire. It's not natural for a young person to try to drown themselves. It's not natural for a person to slit their wrists or take an overdose. But we're seeing more and more of this because I believe there's a whole horde of demons that have been released in the earth in these final days. And as parents, we need to know what to do and where to go when we have these kinds of situations within our family or even outside of our family. We see people that are doing things that are destroying their lives. And sometimes, you know, you want to shake them and say, don't you see what the drugs are doing to you? Don't you see what your, your sexual life is doing to you? Well, we have to pray. We have to pray. Now, this father, he says something very interesting in verse 22. It is often thrown him into the fire and water to kill him. But if you can do anything... Now just think about that for a minute. Those words Jesus picks up and quotes right back to the Father because it was so amazing. Who's he talking to? He's talking to the creator of the universe. If you can do anything. Does that sound funny or, or what? Guess what? We say it all the time. All right. Oh, Alpha and Omega, maker of the stars and the universe, if you can do anything in my life. How ridiculous it sounds. Oh, you who raise the dead and walk on troubled seas, you who can heal any matter of sickness or disease, if you can do anything for my problem. And it's interesting, I was studying these verses carefully in, in the original Greek yesterday, and it's, it's interesting, there's a play with the words here. If you can do anything, and then look at the next verse. If you can, and then everything is possible. In the Greek, it's the same word repeated three times. And you're going to recognize this, not that you're Greek scholars, neither am I, but you've heard me say this a hundred times. The word for power in the Bible is dunamis. You remember that because it sounds like dynamic or dynamite. When you receive the Holy Spirit, you receive dunamis. Well, this is a variation of that same word, dunamai. It's the power to do something. So if you have 
power to do anything, Jesus comes right back and says, if I have power, everything is possible. You will have power for everything if you believe. Now, this verse reads a little differently in some of the other translations, and I actually like both thoughts. Just flip this to King James for a second, I think you'll see the difference. Jesus said unto him, If thou canst believe, all things are possible. That's a whole different twist. In the NIV, he's quoting back, almost in amazement to the Father, If I can. Did I hear you right? If you can do anything? Here, the emphasis is put on the Father. There's something you do need to be able to do. It's believe. If you can believe, all things are possible. And I love verse 24. Let's go back to the NIV. Because we don't usually say, loveth, hitteth, straightway. Immediately, the boy's father exclaimed, I do believe. Help me overcome my unbelief. That has always fascinated me. I don't know if I fully understand the theology of it, but I know practically I can relate to it. I don't know about you. I believe God. I believe God. I have believed God for almost 40 years now in my Christian walk. I have seen God's faithfulness time and time again when I trust Him, but I also know there's unbelief in my life. (laughs) I can be full of faith now, ready to part the Red Sea, raise the dead and walk on water, and 10 minutes from now I'll be down in the dumps. Oh, where's God? God, can you do anything about this situation? This is a hard one. If you can do anything... Take pity on us and help us. The question is not about God's ability. That's where we go wrong. Lord, are you able to do anything about this situation? There shouldn't be any question about God's ability, His power, what He is capable of doing. The real question seems to be, can I believe? And if we're honest with ourselves and, you know, God likes us to be honest with Him, sometimes the key to our breakthrough is just being honest. He already knows us inside and out, but He's waiting to hear from us. Sometimes we need to say something like this, Lord, I believe, but you know what? I got doubts too. Help me to overcome my unbelief. Help me to deal with those areas of my life where I'm still weak in faith. And, you know... I think more of our prayer emphasis should be, Lord, strengthen my faith. Cause my faith to grow. So often we're asking for things when really if we had the faith, those things would be made more available to us. And so the real question is not, Lord, are you able to do anything here? It's, can I believe God? for something that maybe in the natural is impossible. Now, I want to take you to about nine scriptures this morning. This is going to be a quick message. But these are scriptures that have changed my life. They have changed my life. And I have memorized almost all of them because they were so important in my walk with God. And time and time and time again, God has used these scriptures to encourage me, to bring me out of that that 
discouragement, that, you know, if you can do anything, kind of a despondency. And all of these scriptures have one thing in common. They talk about what God is able to do. You see, we need to get our focus off of what am I able to do. That's where we fall. That's where we have trouble. Oh, I'm going to do this in my own strength. No, you're not. You are not able. You do not have the capability to live this life, to be a Christian, to do the things that God called you to do. You cannot do them. And the sooner you come to recognize that, the sooner you will start focusing on what God can do. And we're going to look at seven things quickly. Seven things that the Bible tells us God is able to do. And you and I need to know these things well. Because if we don't know what he's able to do, we're going to be trying to do it in our own strength. We're going to be stumbling. We're going to be failing. We're going to be falling down. And we're going to get discouraged. Okay, you ready? Number one. I love this one. God is able to do whatever he has promised. Say that with me. God is able to do whatever he has promised. I love those words like whatever, any, every, all. This is whatever God has promised. There's no question about his ability to bring it to pass. And we find this in Romans 4 in the story of Abraham, who was faced, by the way, with an impossible situation. Impossible. God had called him and his wife Sarah to be fathers and mothers of nations. Just a small little glitch. They can't have kids. Well, you know, patience, eventually something will happen. Bible is very clear. They were long past the age of bearing children. This is now medically, physically impossible. But the Bible tells us that Abraham remained strong in his faith. And I believe this is the key to how he did it. Let's pick it up in Romans 4 and verse 18. Against all hope. Ever been there? Amen. Just let that one sink in. You're not the first. God happened to choose the father of faith, Abraham, to be in a situation that we would call hopeless. And look what he did with it. Against all hope, Abraham in what? In hope. Does that make any sense? One translation actually says, against all hope, Abraham hoped. That's foolishness. That's crazy. How do you keep hoping when there is no hope? Abraham in hope. What's the next word? Somebody help me. Lord, I believe. Help my unbelief. Against all hope, Abraham in hope believed. And so became the father of many nations. Just as it had been said to him, so shall your offspring be. Without weakening in his faith. Anybody here ever weakened in your faith? Oh, good. I got a few friends. But he didn't. Without weakening in his faith. And I love this. He faced the fact that his body was as good as dead. We're not talking about mind games here. We're not talking about name it and claim it foolishness. 
We're talking about, I'm looking at the test results, I'm looking at the x-rays, I'm looking at the mammogram, I know what it says, and my body is as good as dead. He faced the fact. I've been around too many Christians that live in this kind of a fantasy world. How you doing, brother? You know, blood's gushing out of their neck. Oh, praise the Lord, I'm fine. No, you're not. You're bleeding to death. Face the fact. But too often we face the facts and our faith takes a nosedive. That didn't happen to Abraham. Without weakening in his faith, he faced the fact that his body was as good as dead since he was now about 100 years old. 25 years have passed since God promised him something. Remember, we're talking about what God is able to do. He's able to do whatever he's promised. He made a promise to Abraham, and it seems like he's not able to keep it, because nothing's happening. He was now about 100 years old, and that Sarah's womb was also dead. they got a double problem. Abraham's dead, Sarah's dead, and they're supposed to have kids. Yet he did not waver through unbelief regarding the promise of God, Remember, this is about the promise of God. But he was strengthened in his faith and gave glory to God. Anybody beside me want to know how to come to that place? Verse 21 is going to tell us. Being fully persuaded that God had power to do what he had promised. Same word, capable, able. And if you switch it to King James, you'll see how it reads there. This is how I first learned the verse. And being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. I like that. Would you read that together with me? Being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able also to perform. Now, if we were really honest, we would all have to admit there have been times in our Christian lives where we were holding on to a promise, and we came to a point where some real doubts and questions arose. You know, uh -uh, this thing's not working. This thing ain't working. Uh, maybe God doesn't have the power. Uh, something's not right because he, he doesn't seem to be able to bring this thing to pass. I like the word perform. God wants to perform in our lives. He wants to take the promises of God and make them work in our experience. And we need to come to a place where we are halfway persuaded. That's the trick. Being fully persuaded. I don't think that happens overnight. It may take 25 years. It took 25 for Abraham. And you go over and over and over. You go through the same thing. You go round and round and round the same mountain. And each time you get a little stronger in your faith. And finally, you are fully convinced that God can be trusted. And He is faithful. He is able to do whatever He has promised. We're looking at seven things this morning that God is able to do. You and I are not able to do these things. Only God can do them. And we need to get our eyes off of ourselves and fix them on a God who is able. Let's look at the second one. I promise you this was going to be quick. Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 18. God is able to help us. Anybody here ever need help? How often? All the time. The sooner you recognize that, the more testimonies you're going to have that the Lord is my helper. 
the sooner you realize you are one helpless creature without God, the more you're going to lean on Him, cry out to Him, depend on Him, and you'll have many more testimonies of how God showed up, spoke to you, and answered you. Some of us, we just go through life thinking we don't need God. You know, once church is done, I check out, and then next Sunday I'll turn God back on again. But between now and then, I'm on my own, and I can do it in my own strength. What foolishness. The Bible says only a fool says in his heart, there is no God. But you know, many times we go through the week kind of like there's no God. And I really don't need God because I can make it on my own. God in his goodness knows how to send challenges. Oh, he knows how to send stuff into our lives to bring us to a place where we can't help ourselves. We're beyond help and we begin to cry out to him who wants to be our help. Look in Hebrews 2, verse 18. Speaking about Jesus, how he became flesh, he became human, to suffer and die for us on the cross. Because he himself suffered when he was tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. Nobody here ever gets tempted, right? So we can move on from this one. <laughs> oh, the devil knows how to just put that bait right there. He knows which one you like the best. It may not be of any interest to Lilo, but man, he knows what to lay right out in front of you. He is able to help those who are being tempted. That doesn't say anything here, but I think it's implied when you're facing a temptation, cry out to God, my friend. Cry out to God. Help me, Lord. Help me out of this thing. Help me overcome. Help me remain faithful to you. Help me not cave in to the flesh and to the world and the devil. Help me, Lord. He's able. He's able to help those who are being tempted. Number three, 2 Corinthians 9, verse 8. These scriptures have become a part of my prayer life. I just pray these all the time. And it encourages me to trust God in every kind of situation. This is a fantastic verse. If you have not memorized 2 Corinthians 9, 8, do it this week. Read it with me. God is able... To make all grace abound to you, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in every good work. Pastor Ernie used to say it, you can take that one to the bank. <laughs> Look at the words in here. All grace, in all things, at all times, having all that you need. That doesn't seem to leave any room for lack, does it? Why are we so often lacking? We must not be looking to the one who is able to do that. God is able to make all grace. It's not just a little bit of grace. Peter talks about the manifold grace of God. It, it's got, it's like some of the dresses you ladies are wearing today. It's got all the colors of the rainbow. It's a many colored grace. That manifold grace, he can make all of his grace abound to you so that in all things what's all things mean? All things. Too bad Matt in here. I'd make him turn to someone and say all things. In all things, how often? All the time. At all times. What does all times mean? 
You mean like all the time? Yes. Really? Wow. All grace in all things at all times and then having all. What does having all mean? You mean like having all? You mean like whatever you need to do? Everything? So that you can squeak through. Just barely make it into heaven. Huh? No. That you will abound. This is an abounding grace. And God wants it to abound in us. So that you will abound in every good work. I'm not able to do that. I can't wake up tomorrow morning and say, you know what? I'm going to be full of grace today. I'm going to do all kinds of good works today. I'll fall flat on my face before 10 o'clock. But if I allow God to do what he is able to do, and if my if I fix my eyes and my faith on him and get them off of myself, I'm going to find that this happens. Because remember, point number one, God is able to do whatever he's promised. I didn't make this up. You didn't make this up. This is the word of God. This is what God is able and wanting to do in your life and in mine. Okay, point number four is going to have three scriptures. They all basically talk about the same thing. That's why I lumped them together. God is able to establish us, make us stand, and keep us from falling. Do Christians ever fall? Do Christians ever feel weak need? <laughs> when you look at the landscape, the culture of our day, and you see so many Christians that have fallen by the wayside. I'm not saying this to discourage you this morning, but in almost 40 years of ministry, man, I've seen a lot come and I've seen a lot go, including ministers. I've seen preachers and ministers far more talented than I. Better singers, better preachers, better Bible teachers, more gifts of the Spirit in their lives. They are goners today. Nowhere to be found. The man who led me to the Lord, some of you have heard my testimony. I went all the way out to California, was so depressed and discouraged, I was standing on a bridge ready to commit suicide one day, and a, a, a Chinese guy came out onto the bridge, and he started to share the gospel with me. And through that man's ministry, I got saved, and I ended up staying with him for one month. He took me into his home, he took me to church every night, he gave me a Bible, and that, that man, God used him in, a, in an awesome way in my life. About four years later, I made a trip out to California again, and I made it a point to go visit that man. I, I just I wanted to thank him. I wanted him to see, look, man, I'm in full-time ministry now because of you. And I had his address, and I went and knocked on his door, and he cracked the door open. He wouldn't even let me into his house. He had completely left the Lord. He was living in sin with a woman. He did not want to talk to me. He did not want anything to do with Christianity. And man, I left there shaking and trembling inside. Lord, what's going to happen to me? I'm talking about a guy who was praying day and night, reading his Bible, witnessing to everybody he ever saw on the streets, and now he's completely gone away from the Lord. It put a real fear in my life. And ever since then, I've had a very healthy fear of falling, of failing, of going back. 
And these scriptures help me immensely. Let's begin in Romans chapter 16, verses 25 to 27. Now to him who is able, who is able to establish you by my gospel and the proclamation of Jesus Christ according to the revelation of the mystery hidden for long ages past, but now revealed and made known through the prophetic writings by the command of the eternal God, so that all nations might believe and obey him. To the only wise God, be glory forever through Jesus Christ. Amen. Don't take this personally, but you're not able to establish yourself in your Christian walk. You will flounder. You will be like a roller coaster, up and down, up and down. One day you're on fire, the next day you're down in the dumps. You will not be able to establish yourself in your own strength. The only wise God is able to establish us. Thank God for that. Thank God. He wants to establish us. He wants to make us like a rock, like a pillar, like an immovable object that cannot go to the right or the left because we are planted in the Lord. One of the first hymns I learned, I, I, I still sing it sometimes, I shall not be, I shall not be moved. There are a lot of things that come to move us. You better be established, my friend, or you're going to move when the wind blows, when the floods come in, when temptations rise, but he is able to establish you. Along with that, look in Romans 14. Verse 4. I mean, I'm not trying to put anybody on the spot here. My hand's already up for all these questions. Does anybody here ever feel weak like you just can't even stand? <laughs> and when I talk about standing, I think you understand. I'm not talking about just getting up on your two feet. I'm talking about standing against evil, standing against peer pressure, standing against things in this society that you know are wrong. It's hard. It is hard to stand. Because it's always easier just to compromise, cave in, and go along with the flow. Right? Who are you to judge someone else's servant? To his own master he stands or falls, and he will stand, for the Lord is able to make him stand. Hallelujah. That only works if you're one of his servants. If you have given yourself to God to be his servant, he's your master. And your master is able to make his servants stand. And then third scripture in this category, uh, this is my favorite one of all, Jude 24 and 25. <laughs> and I'm going to be honest with you this morning. In my years of ministry, I've seen a lot of discouraging things. A lot of discouraging things. And ministry can be very discouraging if all you're doing is looking at things in the natural. And, and sometimes I look at myself and I look at the, the people that I minister to and I say, God, is there hope for any of us? We're all such a mess. And verses like this keep me going. They keep me alive. To him who is able to keep you from falling. And that's not all. And to present you before his glorious presence without fault. Come on. Are you able to do that? Now, I won't, I won't take offense if you answer this question truthfully. Do you really think Pastor Quasey and I can present you faultless before the Lord? No way. No way. I don't know how to do it. Do you know? 
there's one who does know. Not only can he keep you from falling, that's the negative half. The positive part is not just to keep you from falling, but to present you before his glorious presence. It's referring to the rapture. It's talking about that day of presentation when the bride is brought before the king and she must be without spot, without wrinkle, without blemish, without any such thing, faultless to stand before his throne. He's able to do that. Present you before his glorious presence without fault and with great joy. And you know, as you really begin to understand these things, you'll notice what comes right after it. It's an expression of praise and worship. To the only God, our Savior, be glory, majesty, power, and authority through Jesus Christ our Lord before all ages, now and forevermore. Amen. We need to stop looking at ourselves and get our eyes on Him who is able. He is able to keep us from falling. He is able to finish the work He started in our lives. He's able to establish us make us firm, make us strong in our faith, make us unmovable. People will come to you and say, you know, you need to lighten up. You need to learn how to kind of go with the flow. You know, times have changed. I realize times have changed, but God hasn't. God's Word hasn't changed. His laws, His principles, the things that please Him and the things that are an abomination to Him are the same yesterday, today, and forever. So I'm sorry I'm not going to lighten up. <laughs> I'm not going to go with the flow. I'm going to pray all the more harder now. Lord, establish me. Strengthen me. Make me like an immovable rock that I will not compromise the gospel of Jesus Christ. Next, what else is God able to do? Oh, this one's nice. Ephesians 3, verses 20 and 21. Anybody else here ever pray puny prayers? You know what a puny prayer is, right? We're, we're afraid to ask for anything big, so we, we just, you know, we keep them real small. Well, we might be able to muster up a prayer against a headache, but cancer, forget it. No, 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 I can't take that one. <coughs> now to him who is able... To do immeasurably more. What does that mean? Immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us. To him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Go back to the previous verse for a second. You have to study this one. If you haven't memorized it, please do. It'll help you a lot in your prayers. Because sometimes when I'm praying, the Holy Spirit brings us back to my, uh, my understanding. It's like, I'm way down here in my expectations. And God is saying, I dare you. I dare you to bring big prayers to me. I dare you to bring your wildest dreams and imaginations before me, because I'll top them. Is that what this says? He is able not just to do a little bit more than you ask, a little bit more than you dare to dream or imagine, immeasurably. Other translators, put the King James up for a second, they, they don't know how to translate these words. Paul invented them, I think. To do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask or think. 
exceedingly abundantly. <laughs> it's like way, way, way beyond anything you dare to think, dream, or imagine. Why don't we always see that happening? I think there are two reasons. Number one, it's according to something. It's according to the power that works in us. We need to allow the power of God to work in our lives, the power of the Holy Spirit to transform.